Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beerlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Peter's cat, Kempak's cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. With that theme song, it's time for another episode of Trek Talk. And this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, we are kind of live from Las Vegas uh, for the Star Trek 55 a uh, 55-year mission. Uh, I was supposed to be there, but I came down with pneumonia. I could not travel. Um, hopefully, uh, my voice will hold out, and I'll be able to get through the podcast with you guys. But everybody is going to monitor this. I'm not sure experts. We'll start off first uh, with Eric. Well, Jim, you know, you will get by with a little help from your friends. So uh, I am here to help support today. And, uh, you know, I'm excited that we at least have Charles and Leslie and David out there uh, at the 55-year mission. Uh, And, you know, Jim's going to have to take it easy on his voice a little bit tonight. So you might hear a little bit more of me, but that's okay. We'll make it happen, Captain, right? I'll be with us. Uh, Charles, Charles is always How's it going? Uh, hopefully you guys can hear me. You're just ch- you're just chopping out on me, which might be my side. Uh, things are going all yep. right. Okay. I've I've been busy at work. Uh, doing my regular job and then coming over here in the evenings working with Les- the Leslie Hoffman. So I've only got a few hours so far. I'll get a lot more this weekend. Good, good. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that you Jim, you're getting a little choppy here. I think we're we're probably going through uh, how many downloads and how many people we have on our Facebook page these days. So if you can believe it, we have broke 35,000 downloads, and uh, people love to interact with us on our on our page, which is, of course is blogtalkradio.com/slash/trekdocking. And when you go to our Facebook page, can you believe that we are almost to 60,000? We're at 59,700 followers. And our page there is at facebook.com slash trek talking and beyond. You got to spell that all out there. Um, so thank you to all of the people who are supporting us on uh, both blog talk radio and the Facebook page. And now 
we are going to the numbers around the globe. So as always, about 75% of our listeners come from the United States right here where we broadcast from in the, uh, the triangle of awesomeness uh, of Las Vegas, Vermont, and uh, Portland, Oregon. <laughs> but our number one international listener this week, holding on to that number one spot, of course, is Canada with 6.19% of our listeners. So thank you to our brothers and sisters to the north who are leading the charge for those international listeners. In that number two spot, we have Australia with 4.67% of our listeners. That is up a little bit. And I think three weeks in a row now, they are creeping back up from around four and a half, which tells us that that big drop from a few weeks ago was not an anomaly. So a bunch of people jumped ship in uh, Australia, but now they're coming back. So that's a good sign. In the UK, holding down that number three spot, we've got 4.66% of our listeners. And just right next door in Ireland, we've got 1.85% of our listeners. So thank you to both of those countries. And then finally, rounding out our top five, we've got Norway with 1.51% of our listeners. Jim, how's your connection going there, buddy? I think it's okay. Can you hear me? Hey, yeah, that sounds way better. <laughs> we got you now. I'm trying. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So <clears throat> normally we would have Charles do the top cities, Eric, but I think we're just going to have you soldier on through. Well, that sounds good. So we love to honor uh, all of the international listeners that we have, but uh, we also like to just kind of call out the top cities that we have in our list. And uh, we usually call out three. They're not necessarily part of the top 10, but they're personal to us. So, uh, you know, in that number 37 spot, we have Indianapolis, Indiana, which is where our good friend Shannon is adjacent to. She's uh, over there in Kentucky, but that's the biggest kind of metro area to where she is. So uh, we've got that. In that number 23 spot, we've got my hometown, Portland, Oregon. Thank you, Portland, for holding down that number 23 spot for our listeners. But Charles is edging us out again. He's in that 19 spot with Las Vegas. Uh, So good job, Las Vegas. And, of course, in our top 10, we have just a little bit of switching around. It seems like we've had some trade-offs over the last few weeks. And this week, Houston, Texas has dropped out of the top 10, but Sao Paulo, Brazil, has jumped back into that number 10 spot. And we've got Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, number nine. San Antonio, Texas is number eight. Chicago, Illinois, from near my hometown, number seven. Toronto, Ontario, Canada, up near GM Chris, uh, in that number six spot. Los Angeles, California, where Andy Bray, of course, is from, in that number five spot. Thank you, Chekhov. In that number four spot, Sydney, Australia. Then more Australia in the number three spot with Melbourne in Victoria, The number two uh, city in our list is London, UK, and most of our listeners in the United States come from New York City. So thank you to uh, every single one of our listeners, whether you come from uh, domestic sources or international sources. We appreciate every single one of you, and we love that you download our podcast and take us along with you for the ride every once in a while. Thank you. Absolutely. And uh, we also give individual fan shout outs to you guys by name. And if you'd like to get an individual fan shout out, just visit us at our Facebook page, as Eric said, Truck Talking and Beyond, spell that all out. You'll see the Live Long and Prosper at the top of the page. And uh, just tell us where you're from. If you see a heart next to your name, that means yours truly, Uncle Jim, has chosen your name and you'll hear yourself on a future fan shout out. So, Eric, who, do we, who are we starting out with this week? 
Oh, we have so many fans to shout out this week. We're starting the top of the list here with Kevin Worrell from Nottingham, England. He says, I remember a certain episode featuring the Star Trek Next Generation crew taking off Robin Hood and his Merry Men. Uh, yeah, I remember that episode too, Kevin. That, of course, was Cupid Season 4, Episode 20. So uh, thanks for bringing that happy memory back up, and thank you for being one of those listeners in the U.K. Bert I Robinson protest. Was- I am not oh, a Merry yeah. Man. There we go. <laughs> Perfect timing. I love it. I protest. Oh. I am not a merry man. Best quote from the episode. Best quote. Uh, thank you, Jim. Uh, Bert Robinson, we're saying hello to you out there in Roturo, New Zealand, down by many of our Australian listeners. I'm not sure uh, why New Zealand's not on that list. Maybe you can uh, help us out just a little bit there, Bert. Can you work on that for us? Thank you so much for being one of our supporters. Deidre King, we're saying hello to you out there in Melbourne, Australia. You are one of the people who is in our number three city. So thank you so much for uh, holding the torch for uh, for us here. We really appreciate it. Top fan Ross Van Loan out in Ottawa, Canada, is saying hello to us this week. So hello to you and thank you for listening, Ross. And we're saying hello this week to Deborah Nielsen in South Louisiana. She says where you can feel the sand off the Gulf Coast during a hurricane live long and prosper that's right deborah you people down south know how to handle it all don't you uh we'll keep going here we're also saying hello this week to mark raymond he says live long and prosper from sydney australia top fan carl erickson captain carl erickson from the starship quokka is saying hello from perth in western australia so hello to you carl that is pretty cool captain of your very own starship. Uh, and I like that name, Quokka. That's a cool, cool name. Hello this week to Michael Marshall. I am in Dayton, South Carolina. So there you go. That's uh, not a portion of the country where we get a lot of listeners from. So that's pretty cool. Thanks, Michael, for listening to us. We're saying hello this week to Jim H. Hand out in Keswick, Ontario, one of our Canadian listeners. And we're also saying hello to John Martin Bradley in Birmingham, UK. Jim, do you have the strength to go through your own list or shall I? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a gonna give it the old Klingon kapla. So we'd like to say uh top fan, uh Danny Cashman, who's in Ireland, way down south where my grandfather comes from. We'd also like to say thank you and hello to top fan uh <clears throat> Suman Buhat from London, UK. We'd like to say thank you to uh, Frederick Kalu from Belgium and top fan Chris Romero from Tijuana, Mexico. And last but not least, Andrew Carl Finch from Alabama right here in the U.S. of A. And now we're going to do our birthdays, and we always start off our birthdays with our remembrances of those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us. And uh, after we play our Klingon song. That was not a Klingon song. And uh, we always remember those members of our Star Trek family who are sadly no longer with us. And for that, we're going to turn to Eric. Yeah, our uh, first remembrance this week goes out to uh, 
the person who is credited often with saving Star Trek and giving it a permanent home, the godmother of Star Trek, uh, that's right, Lucille Ball would have had a birthday this week. And, uh, you know, it's hard to know where Star Trek would have landed uh, back in the 60s had it not been for Lucille Ball and her studio uh, and their involvement in the franchise. So, wow, what a big happy birthday that would be this week. Not sure how old she would be, but she's been gone for a little bit here. Uh, so happy birthday to uh, the godmother of Star Trek, Lucille Ball. We're saying uh, happy birthday and sending our love out this week also to Reginald Lyle Singh. He played Captain Chandra in the TOS episode Court Martial. Uh, probably uh, as a kid, one of the first Indian men that I ever saw. Uh, I just came from a part of the country where there weren't a lot of Indian folks around, and seeing him uh, in Star Trek was kind of my first exposure, and I thought that was that was pretty cool. Uh, Captain Chandra, great character. So happy birthday to Reginald Lal Singh. We're also saying happy birthday to Charles Maxwell, who played the character Virgil Earp in the TOS episode Spectre of the Gun. Uh, what a great episode that one is, the Western-style one, of course. Uh, Virgil Earp being a famous character anyway in and of his own right, and then being able to... Uh, show up in that episode was pretty darn cool. So uh, Charles Maxwell did a great job with that role. Happy birthday and remembrances going out to him. We're also saying happy birthday to Steve Inok, who played Captain Garth in the uh, TOS episode, Whom Gods Destroy. Uh, we're saying happy birthday to Lillian Chauvin and sending out our remembrances. She played Vedic Yasim in the DS episode, DS9 episode, Rocks and shoals so uh and i'd like to uh yeah go ahead to interject here that uh, that particular character was a character that the leslie the scene where she hangs herself on the promenade is actually leslie and leslie has a picture on our facebook page now we have you might notice that there's a now a shop on facebook on our truck talking page i just started setting it up during my illness so it's very early in production and I'm going to be making some changes, but it's it's there right now. And there is a picture of Leslie dressed up as her, and you can you can buy these pictures, and Leslie will personally autograph them to you. So if you're interested in that, go and check that out. Very cool, very very cool. So yeah, that's what a great idea. Um, so happy birthday to Lillian, uh, and super cool connection to Leslie. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday and sending our remembrances out to Charles Cooper, who played the the character General Cord in Star Trek V, one of, uh, one of Jim's favorites. And he also got to play Kempek in The Next Generation. So he had to play two different Klingons, which that's pretty cool, isn't it, Jim? And I just I wanted to say that, um, actually, I just watched Star Trek V in my sabbatical. I've been going through the Star Trek movies, and I made it up to Star Trek V today. I just finished it, so that's cool. But I had General Court, I had uh, Charles Cooper at his very, very first Star Trek convention. And I remember calling him up and he was like, people would want to come and see me. I said, well, yeah, you're General Court in Kimpak. And he, he brought his whole family to the convention and he could not believe the outpouring of love from the fans for, you know, the show that he did. So he was, he was really touched and very moved by the fans and how they appreciated him. So that's pretty cool. That's really cool. That is super cool. I love it when um, stars are kind of surprised by people, uh, you know, giving them a following. That just, that shows me that many of them out there are still humble, which is really cool. 
Um, we're saying uh, happy birthday and sending our remembrances out this week also to uh, Matt, Walter Matt Jeffries. Uh, he is a TOS art designer, and uh, man, he was all over the place in the early days, too. He was the art director and production designer on all three seasons of the original series, uh, including those two pilot episodes. Um, he did preliminary work on Star Trek The Motion Picture uh, before it was called The Motion Picture, back when it was just called Star Trek Phase 2. Um, so definitely someone who's influenced, uh, who influenced the very early, early years of Star Trek. Um, Walter Matt Jeffries would have had uh, a birthday this week as well. Um, I saved kind of the best two for last here in our remembrances. Uh, not that there are better and, and worse, but just the two that I thought were kind of the biggest biggest hitters in our list this week. Um, we're saying happy birthday and sending our remembrances out to Jeff Corey. Now, his connection to Star Trek is, uh, you know, not a big one. He played the character Places in TOS's uh, The Cloudminders. But this is a gentleman who had a 60-plus year career um, you know, he was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He was in True Grit. He was in a television series with the Forrest Kelly um, called Cannon City. Uh, his his like stamp on the on just the acting community is I believe that he's actually kind of credited with being one of Leonard Nimoy's kind of um, mentors as well. Uh, sort of taught taught Leonard the ropes or, or gave him some advice along the way. So. Uh, Jeff Corey would have had a birthday this week, and uh, although he has a small Star Trek connection, uh, he had a huge, huge impact on uh, the acting community in general uh, while he was alive. And then our final remembrance this week goes out to Jane Wyatt, uh, the original Amanda from TOS uh, era. Uh, She shows up in the episodes Journey to Babel. And, of course, she shows back up in uh, Star Trek IV. So uh, we had a great uh, Discovery era, Amanda, as well. But Jane was the original, Amanda being, of course, uh, Kirk's mother. Right, Jim? Absolutely. Yeah, she was. (laughs) (laughs) She's the one that... I'm trying to keep uh, them sharp here, people. (laughs) She's the one that actually comes in and tells Spock that the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many... And he yeah. says, I consider that an axiom. I just watched that, so that's how I remembered that. <laughs> so cool. So cool. Uh, so, so that is normally, our list of references. Yes, go ahead. Uh, normally we would have Charles jump in right here, but I think we're going to have uh, Eric continue on, and we're going to swing around to Charles after we get done and get a report live from Star Trek Las Vegas. How does that sound? That sounds really good. Uh, so, yeah, the, here comes our list of birthdays of folks who are still with us. Topping out that list this week, we've got Adam Nimoy, uh, son of Kirk, <laughs> husband of Dax, son of Kirk. Oh, you crazy, Jim. He, he does this in our notes. He tries to throw us off. So Adam Nimoy being the son of who, Jim? <laughs> the car. The last, name, the, last, like, the last name sounds slightly familiar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, happy yeah. birthday to Adam Nimoy, who has a birthday this week, whose uh, connection to Star Trek is pretty obvious. Uh, happy birthday also to Michael Okuda, uh, one of the names that I sure remember from the TNG days, graphic designer and author from TNG, DS9, uh, Voyager. His books are the technical ones that I love to get into and sort of work on the theoretics of how things work on the Enterprise. So uh, 
very, very cool influence on all of Star Trek. So happy birthday, Michael Okuda. Saying happy birthday to Louise Sorrell, who played Reyna in Requiem for Methuselah. Uh, happy birthday also to Bill Liskow, Dr. Tainer in TNG's Inheritance. We're saying happy birthday to Laurel Goodwin, Yeoman Colt, in the TOS episode The Cage. Uh, Yeoman Colt, one of many Yeomen who would come up along the way. Peyton List plays Nerissa in Picard. Ugh, one of those characters that just kind of is so yucky that she's really good because you hate her, right? You, have, you hate her every single time she's on the screen. <laughs> Um, conversely, the one you love every single time you see him on the screen is Evan Evagoria, uh, who plays Elnor in Picard. So uh, there you go. What perfect uh, synergy. Two characters, uh, two people having birthdays this week, Peyton List and Evan Evagoria from uh, Picard. Uh, happy birthday also this week to Chirac Lofton, uh, who, of course, played Jake in DS9, uh, a character who I just... I really dug during those DS9 years. I thought he did a great job, and I love his relationship uh, with his dad and the show, of course. And also happy birthday to Catherine Hicks, who played Dr. Jillian Taylor in Star Trek IV. We had a couple Star Trek IV birthdays this week. So, Jim, who's on you know, your list? This I, uh, I, I met her at a Star Trek convention Ooh. in Erie, Pennsylvania, oh, yeah. actually. I have an autograph of her on the Star Trek IV poster. Uh, and I also had one that I sent to Charles because I know he's a huge uh, fan of Star Trek four. And uh, it was so funny meeting her because again, she's another one that was surprised about the amount of people that would come out to see her when she only did this one Star Trek movie, which I find hilarious because it, a lot of people would say that it's one of the most um, family orientated of the Star Trek. It's the one Star Trek movie that my parents would know, the one with the whales. And would you agree? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's definitely the one that I think mostly because of the humor and the uh, there's not a lot of like Trekno babble, right? A lot of it is just weird situations in modern day times, which I think appeals to a lot of people and has made it very accessible in the movie theaters. Yeah, and she uh, she was funny as hell because when she first came out on stage, <clears throat> she says, you know, I'm surprised so many people come out to celebrate my character because she was a, such a C-word tease. I mean, I know I can say that. I know I can yeah. say that word here, but she says, yeah, yeah. she's such a, a C-tease to Captain yeah. Kirk, especially at the end of the movie when she just flies away and leaves him there. And right away, the crowd started laughing, and, and she was funny, really enjoyable. <laughs> wow. live from the Star Trek 55-year mission with the Leslie Hoffman in Las Vegas, Nevada. Don't touch that dial. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comics and game shop. Centrally located between Saratoga Glens Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modiphius, Star Trek Away Team Zero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing Ship-to-Ship Tactical Combat for the Tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. 
Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And we're back, and we're about to give you a birthday. Um, I'm going to say happy birthday to the people that are part of our Star Trek family. And we want to start with Eric Bond, played Nero in Star Trek 2000. I need to get a drink of water here, guys. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem, Jim. <clears throat> Got to hydrate. Keep your throat all nice and lubricated there. <laughs> I thought my, I was hoping my uh, inhaler would do that, but uh, he played Nero in Star Trek 2009, the crazed Romulan. Uh, we'd also like to say happy birthday to Don Most. Now, Don Most paid uh, Dr. Caden in the Voyager episode Workforce Part 2. However, most people, actually, I think every single person that's listening to this podcast and beyond would know him from this. Monday, Monday, happy day. actually, but I do want to point out a connection of her to the 
Leslie Hoffman. Um, as you know, the Leslie Hoffman, of course, was the hall monitor in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But Brooke Bundy in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and she played Christine's mother when uh, Freddy Krueger cuts her head off and holds up her head, and she says, underlay, underlay, that's Brooke Bundy. And so she was also in Nightmare on Elm Street. So happy birthday to Brooke Bundy. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Valerie Wildman, who played Nivala in the Voyager episode, Message in a Bottle. That's that really cool episode with the Prometheus and the holographic doctor beams himself there and meets the other holographic doctor. Great episode, I think, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we'd like to say happy birthday to Daniel Hugh Kelly, who played Sojef in the Star Trek Insurrection, uh, my least favorite of the Star Trek movies. No, and he's also, the, you know, he's actually probably better known for his role in Hardcastle McCormick, though, from back in the day, too. Yes, yes. I think you're right. Yep. Uh, this next one is a big one. We'd like to say happy birthday to Chris Hemsworth, uh, who, of course, played his very first movie role was as George Kirk, father of Spock, in Star Trek 2009. And... Um, <laughs> No, guys, I'm kidding. You're, Father you're, you're of... almost there. You're almost there. Did you, know, <laughs> did, you notice how I, I, did you notice how I flipped them? I said Father of Kirk on the first one and Father of Spock on this one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he played George Kirk. And, but I think, I think everybody knows him as the God of Thunder from the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Of course, I'm talking about Thor. He was also in Men in Black as well. Happy birthday to Chris Hemsworth. Now, here's another good one. We'd like to say happy birthday to Melissa George, who played Vina in the Discovery episode, If Memory Serves. Excellent mm-hmm. episode. If you guys remember, that's the one. <clears throat> that's the one that starts with the original opening of The Cage and uh, the, with the original theme song, and it, and it fades into the awesomely incredible Anson Mount standing on the bridge of the Discovery kind of, their way of saying, yes, this character is this character. I thought it was brilliant the way they made that transition. Mm-hmm. So happy birthday to Melissa George. Uh, this one is a good one that we talk about a lot, actually. We'd like to say happy mm-hmm. birthday to Amanda McBroom, who played Captain Philippa Luwah in the TNG episode, Measure of a Man, one that we have talked about many, many, many times. And uh, and she and like her, her in that. So she's the antagonist in that episode. Right. And she is so um, likable and un and completely unlikable at the same time. Right. She comes in with a chip on her shoulder about Picard anyway. And then she starts hitting heavy uh, about Android uh, sentient Android rights. So, uh, wow. Wow one of these people who are like, holy smokes, where is she coming from? And she, she's not even an admiral. (laughs) She's just another. No. (laughs) Like where's she she doing this? (laughs) She's a good character. And she had, if I remember correctly, she had a relationship with Picard of some type. If I remember correctly. Uh, She did. I think she was a former like love of Picard or there was some sort. uh, It felt like there was something more personal there that I don't think they really go into. But, you know, what's interesting is, of course, I don't know if you know this or not, Jim, but Amanda McBroom is actually the person who wrote um, that song, The Rose, for the 1979 film. You know, some say love. It is a a river or something. She's the person who wrote that song. 
I did not know that. See, last week we learned that the that the uh, time traveling people were actually Mulder and Scully, and now we learn this. My God, what an educational show we have here! Wow. There you go. Uh, we'd also like to say happy birthday to the awesome Bruce Greenwood, who played Captain Christopher Pike slash Admiral Pike in Star Trek 2009 and Star Trek Into Darkness. So happy birthday to Bruce Greenwood. And last but not least, one of my favorite characters, and my God, when she kicked, when she kicks Lorca in the face, uh, and he's behind her, just totally blows my mind every time. I cannot get over how awesome she is at fighting techniques. She's so incredible. And Star Trek fans are so fortunate to have her in, 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 our, in our mix. I'm talking about the awesome Michelle Hyo, who plays Philippa Giorgio. Star Trek Discovery. Hopefully, we'll be seeing her again on Section Thirty-One. And you know, and, what? I think I think the gravitas that she had brings to her characters, like both the Mirror Universe and the Prime Universe, Giorgio have, you know, they have a lot of like ugh, to them that people just kind of want to follow them. That's the way she is in real life, and yet she's kind and gentle too. I've heard a couple interviews with her, and she's like a really cool person, but she understands kind of how powerful she is and what kind of influence she has on people. And she wields her power with responsibility, which I think is so cool. And I think that she's a great role model for young girls. Mm-hmm. I think oh, yeah. that she, because, <laughs> you know, I mean, because yeah. she's not intimidated. She's not afraid. She's not easily um, swayed from what she thinks is right, what she thinks she should do. But at the same time, she learns from her surroundings as we, you know, we witnessed the the arc of Giorgio from being this mass murdering, you know, uh, evil individual that she was in the mirror universe to what she becomes more closer to the Captain Giorgio that we meet in the very first episode of Discovery. She takes that journey, and I think it's it's great because it basically tells people, you know, you know, you can come back from anything. You know, nothing is so bad that, that you can't come back, that you can't be redeemed, that you can't learn from your mistakes. And I think that's a, one of the great things that Star Trek does so well. And they did it perfect with Giorgio. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Great message. Is, um, <clears throat> excuse me. My voice is going quick here. Is, uh, is Charles ready to come on? We got Charles on the line here, buddy. Let me see if I can get Charles on here. This is live radio, guys. So, uh, Charles, can you hear us? <clears throat> okay, I can do my best. Can you hear me? Yeah, Excellent. we can hear you. I had to kind of jump off at one point during birthdays because we got a super fan who just came by to visit Leslie. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Read a when he picked up every picture and one autograph of them. So, wow. Of all the wow. Star Trek ones. That's so cool. Wow. So, guys, I just want to let you know that um, <clears throat> Charles is currently live at Star Trek 55-year mission in Las Vegas. I was supposed to be there, but due to my illness, I cannot be there. So Charles has stepped in in my in my place, and uh, Charles, why don't you fill us in on, on what's going on there? What's the mood of the convention? How many people are there, and 
And what, what is the consensus of the fans? Are they enjoying themselves? Are they having a good time out there? Well, as it's hard to say. Yes. It's hard to say a whole lot about what's going on in the show because I'm I'm still, and many of you don't realize, I'm still at, I can still have to go to my work every day. So I've been coming over on the evening to doing it. I'm on I'm on a podcast, so that I don't really get a chance to see a whole lot except for after work. But I know I brought Leslie down last night, and we got to see some of the crowd. <clears throat> and then definitely one thing you'll definitely, that you're, you're not used to a lot of conventions Jim's gone to, is there's a lot of cosplay, a lot of costumes. A lot of uniforms. So, overall, the crowd seems to be chipper. I know there's a little bit of disappointment because the fluctuation of who's showing up. A lot of the majors are not making it out this year. And some of them are busy. Would you give me another water, please? As I can see across the dealer, as I can see across the dealer's room, I can see Garrett Wong's booth. But I know for the fact that his partner is busy doing uh, directoring. Um, I can't think of Tom. Um, the actor who played Tom, uh, Tom Paris. Robert Duncan McNeil. Robert, Robbie. Robbie. Robbie's not at the convention. Robbie would have been here helping to promote, promote the podcast. Uh, from what I hear on his podcast, he's busy directing again. Oh, that's cool. But <clears throat> we will say a little sad news for poor Jim. Oh, oh, Jim turned around and told me, I was like, oh, I've I got one person I really want to meet at the convention. <laughs> Jim really wanted to meet the actor who, one of the actors who played the Gorn. Uh, and sadly, he's our next door neighbor. He's to the right of us on right of us in the booth. Bobby Clark is your neighbor. <clears throat> wow. Go figure that, that huh? That's so yeah. Cool. I when I get slapped down, I get slapped down hard, don't I? <laughs> oh Jim. Oh, we feel for you, man. But that's so cool that TikTok gets to be next to him and Charles gets to chat with him. That that was fortuitous. <laughs> So is the room that you guys are all in there, Charles, is it really, really packed? It's not packed full in here. You, it's a big convention. A lot of people are going to be at the main hall looking at the big panel. But they can come wandering anytime they want during the show to come see the dealer's room and stuff they want to get signed or purchased. 
or several of celebrities are in the in here in the dealer's room. So there's a big variety of stuff you can pick up mm-hmm. or see. Right here. What's been your favorite cosplay that you've seen so far since you've been there? You were saying there's been a lot of cosplay. Have you seen any that have been like, wow, that's cool? Uh, two gals. Two gals. I think they're in um, more TOS era Orion outfits. Oh, wow. With the full green makeup. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I guess you got to take that off every night, right? You can't go to bed with that on. Yeah. <laughs> Charles, have you seen any? Uh, any? Have you seen any Klingons? I haven't seen any Klingons yet. <coughs> wow. <coughs> I'll see. <coughs> All right. <Thank> you. You're welcome. <coughs> But then you do have people who <coughs> have new costumes. <coughs> sorry, <coughs> new costumes every day. Oh wow! Yeah, sure. So you have people who will cha- have to change clothes. People who have to change clothes quite a bit because they've got different outfits. I'm right. actually going to be in a the uh, Windrunner uniform probably Saturday. And I might jump into my DS9 on Sunday. And I'm just in regular T-shirts today. Or this the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Or excuse me, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Get my day straight. So for I had anybody... at least... I, I had a person who gave me a thumbs up when he's in a red shirt and uh, near, uniform, near universe. Uh, dress, and I had to flash my T-shirt that said "Long Live the Empire." <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. And your Windrunner uniform—that's a Picard era one, right? Yeah, my my Windrunner is a uh, Picard Admiral Picard era. Mm-hmm. Admiral Picard, right? So the uh, the one with kind of that extra stripe up on the shoulder. Yeah. Very cool. I'll try, Very get, cool. I'll try getting pictures of a few of us during the during the convention and get it posted the page. Every once in a while, I hear Leslie chatting in the background. Have you had some people stopping by at the table here? Occasionally, people wander by, see what the pictures are, or take a look at the banner. They might might grab a card. So uh, how does the banner how does the banner look? Does it look pretty good? Banner looks nice. It was all difficult, folks, with the banners because Leslie brought her banner last night, and then I had to deliver Jim's banner to her this, uh, last night after the convention because they were sitting on my porch. <coughs> and what about live? Uh, I was going to say, just like live radio, we, we have to make live adjustments, uh, you know, when things like pneumonia uh, throws yeah. a wrench in it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you got the business cards and the mag, the fridge magnets, too? Yes. 
I got the fridge magnets here, a couple stacks of those, and a bunch of cards. Leslie's now, pic- now sorting pictures, trying to get new pictures out on the table, because all of her Trek pictures all got signed and uh, and uh, sold. Wow, that's so cool. Good for her. She deserves it. Yeah. Wow. Does she have Nightmare on Elm Street pictures out as well? Oh yes, oh yes. I'll, I'll make sure I try getting pictures at the table. But yeah, we got we got four pictures from Nightmare, and then she's got a nice collection of stuff from Star Trek. Very cool. And Very actually, cool. Uh, we just did a birthday for a character yes, that Leslie played on, uh, and actually, she's got a picture there at the convention of her as Vedic Yasum. That she can sign yes. for fans if they're so that from uh, Deep Space Nine Rocks and Shoals. Yes, uh, we were talking a little bit about that yesterday, and I actually mentioned you're discussing that with her, and she nodded so. like, "Oh, okay, good." Yeah, that's yeah, pretty cool. Never know uh, what. <clears throat> never know when a birthday is going to show up that actually has meaning. Mm-hmm. Nope, absolutely not, and. Uh, of course, you can let the fans know that Leslie's podcast, uh, Stunt Treks, with yours truly and the Leslie Hoffman, is going to be back in October as well. So fans that buy yeah. pictures can actually call into the podcast and listen to me and Leslie every every Sunday for an hour. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I tried to sell the podcast to the one who bought all the pictures, but he's not a uh, podcast listener. No. <laughs> he should oh, be. well. It <laughs> should be. And uh, yeah. Charles, how how is the Gorn? Is the Gorn pretty cool? Bobby Clark? Yeah, Bobby's cool. Wow, I yeah, can't believe Bobby's you're sitting cool. you're sitting next to yeah. the Gorn. I can, I'm just I can't he's, believe it. He's busy looking at his phone right now. <laughs> but I. I found out that the person I talked to isn't him because he and Leslie both have uh, both have an issue with hard of hearing, but his wife knows some of the connections and usually can deal with uh, some of the communications. So maybe we can work something out with her to get him to come out to him that's, to come on the show sometime. That'd be cool. Because she, she says he'd be one. He does that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. That would be amazing. I know Jim could ask him so many great questions about what it's like to walk around in a big green suit. Yeah, one of my favorite one of my favorite characters. I, I, I think that might be the first Star Trek episode I ever saw. Um, either that or uh, Spectre of the Gun. I'm not sure, but it, it's one of the early ones. For me. Well, you know, he was, I mean, Bobby Clark was in Arena, he was in Return of the Archons, he was in The Apple, and he was in Mirror Mirror, so he's he's all over Star Trek, too. It's not just him in the Gorn suit. No, but but we love him for the Gorn. <laughs> we, of course, do. We, of course, do. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I had wow, to that's pretty cool. for a moment, but... Yeah. Uh, I had somebody come up and was curious about the cars and the show, and was like, oh, I just had to let you know, oh, by the way, we're running live right now. <laughs> yeah, and you know what, Charles? I have microphones 
with our logo on them, the, the two of them, so that we could actually – my plan was to go amongst the fans and talk to them live on the show. I bought these professional microphones and with the whole nine yards, and I can't be there. It sucks. Yeah. But maybe next time. <laughs> maybe, maybe next, next time. time. We can hope. We will rebuild from the ashes. Or uh, maybe when we go to uh, the Sci-Fi Expo in uh, New Jersey, uh, I can get amongst the fans and talk to them. So that'll be cool. Well, it sounds like it's really cool out there, Charles. Uh, quite the scene, huh? Oh, it is. It's, it's always a fascinating show to see what's going on each year. Even though uh, we don't have the Paramount approval this year, we've still got a lot going on. How many years have you been uh, going to the convention in Las Vegas, Charles? <laughs> Uh, I myself, this is my third convention. Right on. But I know it's been here many years before. And uh, how's David doing? I know David helped helped out Leslie a lot yesterday. How's David doing? David's doing good. David's got a little bit of a medical issue himself. So... But he just, he, while we were talking, he came by. We did, we... We did some elbowing, and he was heading <laughs> off looking around. Have uh, Have you seen Nate yet? Is Nate around? Haven't Haven't seen Nate yet, but Nate may be busy in the main room. Wow! All these great people I wanted to meet. Oh well, maybe next year. We'll get you there eventually, Jim. <laughs> Maybe next year. Maybe you and I will anyway, be able to go next year. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, anyways, what, was, <clears throat> what else is going on out there that you want to tell us about, Charles? Anything? Any? Did they drop any news yet? Any bombs that we might want to hear about? I have know? been around. I am been around. I am been around to really hear the bombs. Since I'm not in the main theater, I don't get to hear a whole lot. But I will tell fans. If anybody can be at the convention on Saturday, I don't know the details of when, but Leslie will be on a panel. She got to talk to somebody from Creation, and she got the official thumbs up that she gets to do a panel on Saturday. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's really cool. Wow. So I don't know any details about it, what's going to happen, but she did tell me that today, that she got to talk to somebody from, somebody from the show, and they, they offered her a convention, uh, a panel at one point, and she just found out she, she didn't get she couldn't do it. Wow, that's pretty cool. So there wow. you go, people. You have uh, obscure information from every one of our Trexperts here and uh, worldwide announcements of panel appearances at Star Trek 55-year convention. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty cool. That is. And, Charles, do they have uh, anything there? Do they have um, – is the Picard exhibit there or anything, anything that uh, exhibits or prop exhibits and stuff? I don't know. As I said, I haven't got I haven't got a chance to really walk around too much. I've been walking in the convention and going straight to the dealer's room, and when I'm done, straight out of dealer room and out I go. But 
let's put in your in time context. My my workday ends at three. It'll take me fifteen minutes to fifteen minutes to drive the convention. Another ten minutes to get through the hotel and finally get to the dealer's room. So that's three thirty. And the show's done at six. So basically, I'm just seeing what's in the convention room right now. Hopefully, I can get some breaks on Saturday and do some wandering. Well, hopefully, somebody can help me with the table. Yeah, we'll have to do a convention follow-up next week, maybe, uh, because it sounds like you might have a little bit more time over the weekend to really experience what it's all about. Yes, definitely. And I just just wanted to follow up, uh, Charles, let you know that up here in Vermont, we are in a heat wave, believe it or not. It's been over 90 for the last three days. It's oppressively hot here, uh, which is probably nothing like you're used to there. But I thought I would be escaping the heat by not going to Vegas, but the heat just followed me here. So I just can't win. I well, didn't get from, to meet the Gorn, and I'm stuck in the heat. What can I tell you? <laughs> well, from, the, from what I saw on the news yesterday... Portland was a degree hotter than Vegas. Yeah, we are under wow. excessive heat warning right now. Uh, I think it's about 100 right now. I think tomorrow we're supposed to hit like 105, they said. So um, I don't know what's going on here, but uh, this is not fair weather for Portland. Yeah, I think we're getting a bit of a heat wave ourselves coming through soon. Wow. Yeah. Well, Charles, we're going to we're going to let you jump back to the convention and we're going to continue right. on with our Star Trek news. And uh so I'm just going to give you a mute and if you want to jump back on uh if you have anything to add or uh just shoot Eric a message on Messenger and I will unmute you and you can jump right in at any time you want. All right. Sounds so good. So thank you so much. Uh Charles is our boots on the ground at Star Trek fifty five mission uh convention in Las Vegas, Nevada. And we'll be checking in again with Charles a little bit later on the show. Thanks a lot, Charles. Oh, you're very welcome. And guys, we're gonna be taking a commercial break and normally I play a commercial for you guys, but I'm gonna do something a little bit different in honor of Star Trek fifty five and the Leslie Hoffman. <laughs> As you heard Charles say, um, she has some Nightmare on Elm Street photos there, and a lot of people don't know this, but Leslie actually was in Nightmare on Elm Street. She played the hall monitor in the original movie. She's the one that Nancy runs into when she's running down the hallway, and Nancy and uh, Leslie actually gets to wear Freddie's glove and wear the sweater, the actual glove and sweater that, that Freddie wore in the original movie. Leslie got to wear it, and she can see her in the movie. And in honor of that, I want to play. This is the clip right from the movie. This is actually Leslie in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Where's your path? Screw your. Hallway. 
And we're back, and that's the Leslie Hoffman in Nightmare on Elm Street. And uh, Eric, let's continue on with our Star Trek news. What do you say? That sounds like a plan. I love getting into the news. So let me find let me find our clip. There it is. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. And Eric, what's our first story that we're going to talk about tonight? Well, our very first story is about a series that I'm very excited about. I have, uh, you know, said this many times on this podcast. I think this is going to be awesome. Star Trek Prodigy is coming to the UK slash Europe with launch of Paramount Plus and a new deal with Sky. Viacom CBS announced a new partnership with Sky, which is part of Comcast, so that will bring the Paramount Plus streaming service to Sky platforms in the UK, Ireland, Italy, Germany, Switzerland, and Austria in 2022. So many of our listeners uh, affected by this. Paramount Plus will become available as part of the Sky Q service and be included with Sky Cinema packages at no additional cost. Other Sky customers will be able to subscribe to Paramount Plus as an add-on option. Paramount Plus will also be available direct-to-consumer in the UK, Ireland, Italy, uh, Germany, Switzerland, and Austria through the Paramount Plus app for iOS and Android and across supported smart TVs and streaming devices. So uh, it sounds like it's going to be a little bit easier for some of our folks uh, who in the UK, Ireland, and other places in Europe that listen to our podcast to watch these shows. So that's, that's good news, I think. Yes, that, that, is, uh, that is excellent, excellent news. I a lot of our listeners that are not located in the USA so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So I have a story here to, to share. <clears throat> um, uh, by the way, all the stories that we're talking about, you can find them in their entirety on our Facebook page, uh, Trek Talking and Beyond. So more actors tap as Star Trek Discovery Season 4 production approaches finish. Unlike Star Trek Strange New World, which wrapped up primary production on its first season a little over a week ago, season four of Discovery is wrapping in stages with the various actors finishing up their work at different times. The latest of these is David Ajala, who plays Cleveland Booker, who sent out a tweet on Monday evening as he packed up his trailer in Toronto saying, that's a wrap for Cleveland Booker and breathe. Very early Saturday morning, Patrick Quacoon, bridge officer race, notified his Twitter followers that it's a wrap, along with some sweeping emojis. Anthony Rapps, Stamets, told Trek Movie he had wrapped in mid-July, adding, there's still some shooting in one location, and Stamets was not a part of that location, so I'm not a part of that shoot. It does appear that Doug Jones was required at that other location, as he said he was still at work, adding the production was closing in on the end of it. It's been announced that season four of Star Trek Discovery will live on Paramount Plus in late 2021, but no specific date has been given. The animated series Star Trek Lower Decks is set to debut its second season, August 12th, tonight, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. And the first season of the kids' animated series Star Trek Prodigy is coming this fall. If Paramount Plus continues to release new episodes on Thursday, 
want to avoid any overlap between the three Star Trek series, then season four would kick off on Thursday, December 30th, just under the wire before the new year. That's some pretty cool news if you think about it. Uh, that would be super cool. And it's the first kind of like, uh, it's not really an announcement, but it kind of is the first kind of clue to when we might see it, I think. And if you think if it, Thursdays is Star Trek Day, so we have 10 episodes of Lower Decks, and then presumably when that ends, we will have 10 episodes of Prodigy. And as the article says, that brings us right up into December, where presumably we will see 12 to 15 episodes of Discovery Season 4-ish. Um, and and then we will see, uh, you know, 10 episodes of Picard. And then that brings us well into 2022, where we should see the debut of Strange New World. So they're, they're right on track for what they said. If they stick with that schedule and there's no more COVID-related incidents. So that's some good news. And uh, we have a story here uh, that we were going to have Charles do, but we're going to pass that on to Eric. So, Eric, what's going on here? Well, this is kind of big news. Uh, Well, not kind of. It is huge, huge news for the world of Star Trek, and I think that uh, it's a little bit uh, controversial, I think, too. Alex Kurtzman's reign at CBS Studios extended through 2026 with massive $160 million contract renewal. Regardless of what you may think of the creative decisions he's made for Star Trek, it's clear that Kurtzman is good business for Viacom CBS. George Cheeks, president and CEO of CBS, tells the New York Times that the writer-producer can develop for broadcast. He can develop for premium streaming, broad streaming. He understands the business. He's got tremendous empathy. He's creatively nimble. It's obvious to me that he's CBS's future. The praise for Kurtzman's work continued in the official press release from CBS Studios as the CBS and Paramount Plus leadership expounded on the producer's track record and Kurtzman's management of the, of the Star Trek franchise was specifically mentioned. Quote, under the new pact, Kurtzman will remain at the helm of the growing Star Trek franchise for the next six years. And, uh, of course, we all remember, I think it was maybe a year to a year and a half ago or so when there were announcements made that um, a big, big planning session had kind of gone underway and they had come out at the other end with uh, a structure for Star Trek for the next, I believe it was seven years at that time. And so that makes a lot of sense because that was a year ago, uh, and now we've got uh, Christmas uh, contract extended to 2026. So, um, you know, there's no question that the Star Trek franchise right now is growing in leaps and bounds. More people are watching Star Trek than I think have ever watched Star Trek before, and it's not just the new Star Trek, it's the old stuff, too. Um, So I think what's good for business is good for Star Trek uh, because the more Star Trek... The better, as far as I'm concerned. And you know what? You know, got to get another drink. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Get warmed up, Jim. (laughs) I, I, you know, I agree. You know, I've been on a lot of Star Trek pages, and I've been having this conversation with many a fan. And um, here's my take on it. I think that. Currently, we've talked about this in the past. I think we are in the golden age of Star Trek right now. Now, some fans would argue, 
and say that the Berman era was the golden age of Star Trek. But I vehemently disagree with that. I, I feel that Rick Berman uh, did a lot of damage to Star Trek. And I think that, um, you know, although we had some great years of Star Trek, we had some great episodes, but um, I feel that his unwillingness to step outside of the box his unwillingness to push the envelope like Gene Roddenberry did and his unwillingness to take chances with the stories and to play it safe because they were on broadcast television and didn't want to anger any advertisers and lose any money. So he, he, he danced around issues and never really uh, took the opportunity to take them head on like Gene did in the 60s by having a black communications officer during the height of the Civil War, uh, I mean the, the Civil Rights Movement, by having a Russian on the bridge during the height of the Cold War. People today don't see those things as big issues, but in the 60s they were huge. And as Star Trek went on, I think that they dulled the blade and they steered away one of the biggest examples um, is the episode The Outcast, where Riker falls in love with the um, the Janai um, woman who changes sexes every year. I don't remember the particulars, but they have a husk, she's and like they the go third, into this husk. She's and, the third gender, yeah. Yeah, and they change or, 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 or something along those lines. And uh, they they just didn't take on these issues like they could have. And also Star Trek under Berman stayed in the exact same stagnant place. It always was for 12 years. Star Trek never changed. Yes. Okay. We went from the enterprise. We went to a space station. We went to the Voyager. But if you look at the way the shows were being filmed, the way they were being written, the way they were being produced for 12 years, Star Trek was inside a bubble, never changed was exactly the same. Some fans might prefer Deep Space Nine to Next Generation. Some fans might prefer Voyager to Deep Space Nine. But, but those are just an individual preference. If you break the shows down, they're all basically exactly the same. Um, you know, Quark, we have Neelix, you know. I mean, they're basically the same characters on basically the same show. And to me... That's why we have so many Star Trek fans today that when J.J. Abrams comes along and gives us something completely new and something completely different, you might not like the Kelvin thing, but it's hard for fans to accept something new. And uh, I went through this when TNG came out. Everybody hated it. Where are those people today? And now, you know, we have Voyager, we have Picard, we have Lower Decks. We're going to see Prodigy very soon. We're going to see Strange New World. Hopefully we're going to see Section one and what a lot of people yeah. do is they lump this all together into new Trek yeah. and they say new Trek sucks anything produced after 2005 isn't Star Trek it's not real and that attitude just am I babbling Eric I mean what do you think um, well uh, I don't I don't think you're carrying on too much here I mean I think the important thing is that you started this discussion with you know, what is the golden age of Star Trek? And I think that what you're saying here is that, you know, TNG, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I totally agree with Berman doing damage to the franchise, but there is no question that those 12 years of Star Trek were a bit formulaic. Uh, they followed the original uh, series kind of formula. 
still amazing stories. Uh, no question that many people's favorite trek comes from those uh, from that era. But the reason I think that we say that now we are in the golden era is now, just as Star Trek always has done or has always tried to do, now more than ever, it is reflecting the society uh, within which it's being produced. And so here we have all sorts of uh, new social movements, new uh, ways of looking at people, new definitions that uh, haven't existed in the past, uh, new identities, uh, all sorts of great stuff, uh, new things happening here in the 21st century. And I think the diversity that we're seeing in Star Trek nowadays is mirroring that, right? Um, I mean, ultimately, when it comes right down to it, Star Trek has to be commercially successful for it to exist on television. And I think that's part of the reason why they didn't really change the formula during the Berman years, because it was very successful. And, and when that formula didn't work anymore, uh, Star Trek went off the air. It didn't, it didn't change, right? I think what they're trying to do now is they're trying to produce all sorts of Star Trek for all sorts of different people in all sorts of different generations that will stand the test of time. That, you know, somebody will come back years from now and, and glom on to one particular type of Star Trek that really spoke to them. Uh, and, the, and the Star Trek that we're getting is reflected of, of society and all sorts of things. So, yeah, I don't think you're battling on. I may be battling on. But I think you're totally right. That's why we say this is now the golden age of Star Trek because here we are in the third, you know, the third iteration of Star Trek, so to speak, with TOS, the TNG era, and then now being the third era. This is definitely the era that has the most variety and the most for um, the most different types of audiences out there, right? And <clears throat> I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to get through. I think that um, Star Trek has always been about inclusion. And I remember when we found out about Adira, uh, how ignorant I was. Maybe you guys remember this podcast, but when they first <laughs> – I'm sorry, guys. I got to get another drink here. Mm-hmm. When they first introduced the character the character description said that she was binary and in my ignorance, I, I assumed when they said that the character was going to be binary, I thought they were talking about the binars from the TNG episode 00011001. And I, I, that's how ignorant I was. I had no idea uh, that binary did not mean binars. Uh, so I've learned something myself from Star Trek that I did not know and it opened my eyes and I think that the way Frakes directed that scene when Adira says to Stamets it's they not her and the way Stamets responds to that it couldn't have been more perfect um, it was just yeah that like, was that was a really amazing you know, moment in Star Trek and what's interesting Jim is I have found even even though I'm trying to be conscious of all of that stuff in my life you know uh, you have to be con- you have to like make the decision to pay attention to it right you have to make the decision not to 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 say the pronoun that the person prefers uh, because that is doing what the other person it's like the goal that I, I, somebody told me once um, you know, the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. They said, you know, cross that out. That is not the way you should live your life. The way you should live your life is you do unto others as they would like to have done unto them. So, you know, if somebody says, hey, please call me they because that's how I identify, then call them they, man. Like that's just showing basic respect. And Star Trek 
has has taught some people that and hit it home for a lot of us. It's it's a hard thing to do because it's something we're not used to doing, something we're, we've never done, and it's, it's a different way of of uh, using language that we are not accustomed to. But you know so, what, Jim? It turns out that it's no big deal for my 12-year-old, right? So well, we're no. the bridge generation here. <laughs> well, no, it's no, it's, it really is no big deal, uh, really. But, but you I mean, have to be aware of it. About it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just something you have to be aware of. And unless somebody tells you that, you're not going to know. Okay. So, you know, I uh, I just think it's cool. I really do. You know? Star Trek teaches us all so much. It really does. Yeah, I think I think it's great. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really – I think that Star Trek is in a great place right now. I think that we're – uh, the other thing that I really like about about the uh, golden age of Star Trek, I've been watching since I've been home sick. Lately, I've been watching a lot of Star Trek. And if you go back and you watch uh, The Cage, uh, maybe you watch uh, Arena, maybe you pop in and at Farpoint. If you pick one or two episodes from each one of the series as they go along, and you watch you you watch a couple of them, then maybe you'll see that that. There's a big difference between the way on, the way they the um, the cinematography, the way the episodes are written, the way they're filmed, and the way they're presented. And you even pick one of the movies, Star Trek Five, Star Trek Six, Star Trek Four, and compare that to Discovery or Picard. So far that when you watch Discovery and Picard. They're like watching a movie of the week. They really are. Um, you don't have a stable camera that just zooms in on a headshot and a reaction shot where Riker says, he's dead, Jim. Dun, dun, dun. The camera zooms in on the body type of thing. The camera is always moving. It's all over the place. There's huge, sweeping, beautiful panoramic shots. And the way the episodes are filmed today is completely different than the way they used to be done. And to me, you know, we've watched Star Trek grow right before our eyes. It doesn't have to be, and now this might, you know, it doesn't have to be on the bridge of the ship. It doesn't have to be in the hallways of the ship. It doesn't have to be on a redressed engineering as 10 forward. You know, they did these things to save money in the 80s and 90s, and uh, you know, now that Star Trek is streaming, which is another thing a lot of fans complain about, you and I, for the first time ever, have direct say in Star Trek. And if we subscribe to Paramount Plus, they know that we like the product they're giving us, and they will give us more. When those subscriptions drop and they're not seeing that return, then it's time to move on to something else. So I think that's a great position for us to be in as fans, too. Yeah, it's interesting. I assume that these days one of the other things they might be able to do is, um, you know, tell what type of Star Trek content most people are watching. And that might actually help inform what they produce in the future. So I think that's a really cool uh, tool that they have that they haven't had in the past. Exactly. They were relying on Nielsen's ratings and uh, – which are generated by advertising dollars to determine 
you know, what direction to go in. And they don't have that anymore. Now it's strictly streaming. They can tell who's watching what, when, and where, which is great, I think. So I, I just, I think Star Trek is in a great place right now. You, maybe you don't like lower decks. That's okay. You know, uh, maybe you don't like Picard. That's okay. You know, there's, there's something, like you said earlier, <clears throat> there's going to be something there for everybody. And that's what Star Trek is about, is about inclusion. So, and it tells me, this Kurtzman contract extension tells me that uh, we are absolutely guaranteed pretty much new Star Trek for the next five years. So, heck yeah. <laughs> and if they stick with, their, uh, with what they said previously, and that's where it gets tricky now. This is where we're going to get into a, a, uh, a, uh, a conundrum, I guess you might say, is that Thursday is going to be Star Trek Day. Right. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. Thursday, they want to premiere a brand new Star Trek every Thursday. So if they're going to have a brand new Star Trek every single Thursday, there's only how many Thursdays in a year? 53 Thursdays? Yep. So if their average show runs 10 episodes, that's 10 weeks. So, uh, you know, five shows, they run, 10 weeks. they got to run five series, yep. Yep. So they're going to have five shows, and once they hit five shows, they can't add another one until they cancel one. And that's so that's, that's kind of like, you know. I mean, every series has its, uh, has its run, right? I have a feeling what we're going to see is, you know, we've already talked a little bit on the podcast about how we see these short seasons now, these seasons that are like 10 and 13 episodes instead of the old 26 episodes. I think we may see shorter runs for the, for the years, too. You know, we may see series that run three or four years that may have run five or six in the past because they've got I so think, much diversity going on with this cycle through. I think that what we're going to see, and this is just my opinion, I think we're going to see we're going to strictly see ten episodes of the animated shows, uh, pretty much, and they're short. Uh, but I think what we're going to see is I think we're going to see Picard be the first show that we're that's going to go that's going to leave. And the reason why I say that my my theory and 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 <clears throat> it's nothing more than a theory. Remember originally when they were talking about Picard, Patrick Stewart said it was going to be a 10-part mini-movie, right? And that was it. And they were going to do 10 episodes. It's going to be a mini-movie, one and done, boom. And then they changed their mind midway through, and they changed the ending where Picard did not die. And now we're going to see two more seasons because they filmed season two and three back-to-back simultaneously. Now, for me... I think that the Picard story could be wrapped up in two more seasons, in my opinion, especially since we know that Q is going to be in three episodes next year and three episodes in season three. And in my opinion, that Picard arc can be wrapped up and, and moved on to make room for another show, be that section 31 or this new Starfleet Academy one that they're talking about. I don't know. Um, so that's my theory anyways. Um, yeah. And that makes for a nice trilogy too. I mean, I think the three seasons is a perfect amount for a show like Picard. That's not a, a concept you want to explore for seven seasons, you know? Yeah. And, and so, and, and the other thing too, is I think that Paramount plus 
if you look at what Disney is doing with with um, all their Marvel stuff, you know, there's no reason why they couldn't do a movie of the week type of thing if that's what you know what I'm saying, uh, or like a mini, a short run, you know, three arc type of thing, um, because these animated shows are only 20 minutes, really. So they're taking up an entire time slot, you know, an entire Thursday with a 20-minute animated series, uh, which basically could be two animate. I mean, uh, you, you could put two animated series in the place of one live action. So they're, I think they're cutting, they're cutting themselves off by doing that. I don't see why they couldn't put two episodes back-to-back on the same Thursday, you know? Yeah, but also you don't want to you don't want to cause that burnout thing. You know, I mean, back in the '90s and 2000s, people talked about Star Trek burnout because uh, at one point there were three shows on at the same time, and uh, maybe they're a little bit concerned about this too. They they want to uh, release it in a timely way that doesn't like flood people with too much information because you know the internet will just gorge the stuff. And then where are you? You know, that's actually why I'm a big fan of the way they release these shows. I like the fact that they come out one episode every week rather than an entire season being dropped all at once. Because uh, I, right. I, I like spacing it out, you know? So it gives us something to talk about on the podcast. Yeah, sure. Well, guys, we have, <laughs> we have to take our final commercial break for the evening for this podcast. And rather than playing a little commercial for you, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to get you primed and ready for our next segment. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Did you recognize that theme song, Eric? Oh, that is my new favorite theme song. I It's so funny when I sit there and I watch episodes with my daughter, we both sing it out loud. We're both like, Did you notice in the opening sequence that they, they altered the beginning just a little bit? They did the uh, portion where uh, they would normally show the Romulans fighting against the Borg uh, and the Cerritos kind of turns tail and runs. Uh, they added some ships there. Were those Packlid ships that they added? I, that, I thought so. They, they look like Packlid ships to me, yeah. I think they were Packlid ships. And, in fact, we get uh, at the end of this episode, we get a little teaser. Spoiler alert, uh, the Packlids are still here. 
and uh, still definitely tangling with the Titan a little bit. Yeah, so uh, today, Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2 premiered with Episode 1, Strange Energies. And, um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Strange Energies. So in the, uh, oh, oh, wait, wait. <clears throat> uh, before we do that, though, where is, I, I totally forgot in my, in my current state of mind, I, it's the, where is it? We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Strange Energies, which is the season two premiere of Star Trek Lower Decks. And before we do that, I have to give you guys a warning that uh, there will be spoilers. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. It- yeah. Yeah. Strange, strange energy <clears throat> about Manor and her mother and how they're getting along now that the whole crew knows who she is, that she's her, her mother. And uh, they go on an away team. And Mariner unleashes some strange energies, which attach themselves to Ransom and turn him into a none other than godlike creature. And uh, godlike creatures are handled interestingly on Star Trek because giant rocks are dropped on them to kill them. <laughs> uh, well, only, uh, only one. <laughs> well, now two. Oh, yes, but now two. So yeah, uh, yeah. So let's talk about this episode, Eric. What, what did what did you and your daughter think about it? Uh, oh man, we had a lot of fun with this episode. So yeah, we good thing we gave you all the spoiler alert because here we go. Um, the the episode opens, and I was pulled in right from the beginning. It it's this awesome scene with Mariner and Cardassians, and it seems like kind of a almost like a prison break type situation and. Mariner is totally kicking butt, and there's a phaser shootout, and she flies a Reliant-class vessel all by herself and has a Cardassian that she kidnaps. Um, well, it turns out she's on the, the, the holodeck, but she's having a really good time. And it just took me back to when she plays Vindicta in season one, right? It seems like Mariner's got this thing where she is really working out her, uh, can we say, mommy issues uh, on the holodeck. Uh, which I think is great because I think that's actually the perfect place to do it, right? It shows you that the best use of the holodeck is as uh, a way that people can actually help themselves deal with reality a little bit better. So I I loved the opening. Uh, it was totally awesome. Um, Jim, I have to tell you that one of my absolute favorite parts was uh, at the end of that holodeck scene, who shows up and interrupts her while she's on the holodeck? Did we lose Jim? I think we lost Jim. Well, uh, anyway, the Andorian Jennifer, who has shown up in the past, <laughs> and, uh, Mariner apparently has a real thing uh, for Andorians named Jennifer. So uh, that was a nice little thing. Um, you know, uh, I will say that this episode has some pretty cool uh bigger concepts in it and some pretty cool references that go back to previous episodes. Jim already mentioned, of course, the Gary Mitchell connection, you know, in this episode, we have ransom kind of turning into this godlike being and they actually reference Gary Mitchell uh, several times. In fact, these strange energies have a definition that the doctor (laughs) 
Telling us is like, uh, oh yeah, those are electromagnetic muck muck mounds goes down some techno babble. So pretty pretty funny. But I have to tell you, I loved it. Favorite, it was so funny. My absolute favorite part though is the whole. So ransom turns into this godlike being, and what does he do? He like, in a very strange, like totally unexpected way, he pops off his own head, and his head turns into this giant thing that goes up into space, and immediately. I thought of who mourns for Adonis and the big green finger that holds onto the Enterprise and keeps it uh, in station there. Ransom's whole scene there uh, where they kind of mirror that episode was absolutely hilarious. And the way, I'm not going to spoil this, but the way that Mariner brings him down in the end is absolutely hilarious and left us literally <laughs> laughing out loud on the couch. So, so <laughs> that was hilarious. And oh and she didn't do it. She didn't do it just once. It was like five, six, over seven and, times. Over and over and over again. Yeah, it was it was like slapstick at its absolute best. Loved it. <laughs> the um the only thing about the episode that I that that I thought was weak or not weak but but um was the the tendy uh the tendy wanting to do surgery uh and cut out um uh Rutherford the engineer yeah. Rutherford's yeah. brain because he liked pears um I was like uh, that I thought was weak so um, I will not disagree with you, Jim. I the it was the thing that was kind of the most surprising about the episode. We get a Tendi who now Tendi has been kind of intense before, right? In season one, and she does things like invent something called a dog, and she has no idea what a dog is. And, uh, but uh, her her they are pushing the limits with her being friends with Rutherford and not suggesting that she's somehow into him in a different way. I think the point of this show is that they're supposed to be really good friends, and I think the point of this episode was that she was supposed to be, like, saving him from himself in her weird, tendy way. But I admit, I, they took it a little too far, and it was, um, it was intense in the same way that Badgie was intense, but less good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Now... <clears throat> What did you think about the part where Mariner's breaking out of the Cardassian prison and there's a hologram of Boimler hanging oh. on the wall and he says, they keep flashing lights at me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he says that. He says that. And then he gives a clue, right? He's like, I know I'm just a hologram, but da 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 And that's when you first kind of start to suspect something is going on. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Cardassian prison, chain of command, of course they are going to bring that up. I love it. I love it. And it's one of those things that um, you only get if you really know that episode, right? But the episode's still great, even if you don't know Star Trek. Yeah, I, I caught that right away. He's chained up there, and he says, they keep flashing lights at me. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Captain Picard from Chain of Command. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they, I mean, they make a couple of other really funny um, lines like that. Uh, they actually talked about, uh, like, when they talk about how Ransom's turning into this godlike being, the, the Captain Freeman says something like, uh, well, human beings actually have a very complicated history with organized religion. And so that's so like taking that. <laughs> I love that line because it's so, like, 21st century. It's not, it's not irreverent, right? 
but it's recognizing that, yeah, things get complicated when you start bringing in things like godlike beings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I, it was an enjoyable episode, I thought. It was, well, it was worth the wait. Um, I enjoyed it. One of the funniest lines I thought is when, uh, at the very beginning, when, when uh, <clears throat> Mariner's breaking out of the Cardassian jail, and she's on the bridge of the starship, and the Andorian comes in. Yeah. Yeah, I was mentioning and that earlier, says, Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that Andorian. And then it's she it. starts, <laughs> the door closes, and uh, the Kardashian says, what are you doing? Are you doing a workout? And Mariner says, it's leg day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what she's got against Jennifer, but I have a feeling that we are going to see that Andorian pop up in a future episode, uh, and we will learn a little bit more. Because she's been complaining about her since the beginning of season one. Yes, and, and we, we, we do know now that they, they do have a cessation uh, section of the ship because they're going to go swimming yeah. down there. And, yeah, and in fact, uh, uh, one of our characters actually says that she was going to hang out with people from cessation ops. And so, man, I hope we get to see cessation ops on this show. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be really cool, and they could do it because it's animated. They could totally do it really, really easily. You know, I think one of the – there are so many advantages to this animated platform. One of the things that they've done um, in season one and then they continued it here in season two, but they actually pushed it a little bit, is every time they show characters from back in the day, they, of course, show animated versions of them. So, you know, when they referenced uh, the animated series in season one, it was the actual characters from the animated series. Here in season two, they talk about Gary Mitchell, who did not show up in animated form, but shows up in animated form on this show, which I thought was really cool, too. Yeah, it was. I was trying to look. What was the the connection of the Miranda class or for the Reliant class ship that Mariner steals? I, I was looking at the number and the name and it didn't sound familiar to me. Was there a reference there that I missed? Well, I thought, you know, I didn't rewind and look at it a second time. I thought it said the USS Mariner, though, is what I thought it said. Uh, the number, I don't remember what the number was, like 1887 or something. Uh, yeah, I didn't actually look it up, but I do think the name said the USS Mariner. Yeah, I'll have to go back and rewatch it. But... I assumed it was a Reliant. I mean, as soon as you see a Reliant vessel, it immediately takes you to Star Trek Two, right? There's no, right. you can't help it. It just takes you right there. No. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought it. I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was solid. The only weak thing was the Tendi thing, but uh, but the ending where we see we see Boimler <laughs> on the bridge of the Titan was yep. hilarious. Um, so uh, funny. And we and he just shows up for a little bit. It's like one minute of the episode, which I thought was brilliant because now you want more, right? I want to see what's yeah. really going on with them. Yeah, so, and, and of course, uh, we see Riker, but we don't see Deanna Troy, only Riker. We do, we do not, but we also kind of see him in the heat of the moment. So Troy could be somewhere else on the ship helping out or something. But, yeah, she's not in her uh, left of the captain's seat there. Nope, she's not there, but that's okay. <clears throat> it, was still, it was still a good nod, and we get to see the difference between what the Cerritos is doing and what Mariner is doing versus what – frontline ships like the Titan are going through. They're completely different types of missions. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> so, yeah, overall, I, I enjoyed it. Um, 
it was very good. It was it was a good twenty two minutes of of uh, of release from my 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 coughing spasm. So um, that was pretty good. Now um, I do want to play for you guys here. I do have the trailer for season two. Let's give it a quick listen and see how many of the how many things we can pick out for it. Just to what your whistle for what's yet to come. Computer ramming speed. you look at that a view like this makes you realize it doesn't matter what deck you work on we're all in it together and they left us they left us how much oxygen do we have a lot a little ballpark good morning Serena! all right lieutenant Keishon, welcome to the cerritos rapunky when he joined the seven computer ramming speed this could be your year to get promoted. Not what it takes? Yes! Okie dokie. Only thing missing is Boimler. Think of all the fun adventures he's going on. Oh, God. Get him out of there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know we may not look like a lot, but when it comes to a fight, us Starfleet officers are trained to throw down at... Let's oh. roll! Teddy Rod! Us. Has it been pooped out by an alien creature? It is not. Don't touch me! Oh crap, it's the evil computer. Friends, I'm worried about you. My scans indicate you could lose a couple pounds. Excuse me? Our ship might not be the biggest. Oh, oh And we might do the missions nobody else wants. Come on, you've been in tougher spots than this. Thanks, Tom Paris. I am a little worried about the fumes in here, though. You know, since you're talking to a plate. <laughs> But we are still Starfleet. The Ferengi's got everyone else. It's up to you guys. If only we had special powers. We do. Maybe not here, but here. Our skin. Our brains. Brains. Our, it's our right. brain. brains are inside of our skin. There's a team waiting to take me to the brig, isn't there? Oh, you know me so well. Love you, Mom. Love you, too. Never disobey me again. I do what I want. And, of course, that is the teaser trailer for Lower Decks Season 2. And we've seen a couple of those scenes already, um, but we have a lot to look forward to. There is one clip I want to play for you guys um, because I love it and because I'm, I just want to play this one for you guys and talk about it now. I'm sure we'll talk about it later when we see it for real. But um, this is a clip they dropped. Uh, which I want to play for you guys. It's very short. Boimler, what are you doing up here? Just wanted to catch up in the old hover booth. <laughs> okay, so I know it's short, but I, I've got to talk about this clip because it's, I love it. So this yeah. entire 15-second clip is an homage to Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Here. And in the clip, we see Tendi climbing El Capitan. We see Boimler show up in the, in the jet boots. He's even wearing a Go Climber Rock t-shirt, which is the same shirt that Kirk wore in the movie, except <coughs> boots, all kinds of shoes. And I just think it's great that that whole nod to Star Trek V, the entire scene actually, is from Star Trek V. And I, I, I was laughing, laughing so hard. In fact, 
<clears throat> Charles said to me, did you get that clip posted on our Trek Talking page? I just posted it just minutes before Charles told me it was available. Um, do we have Charles, Eric? Does Charles want to come on and say a little bit about Lower Decks and wrap things up on the convention? Is he still with us? Yeah, I think Charles you know? might might still be with us here. Charles, did you want to come back on? Or uh, It looks like he might. He might be otherwise engaged here, Jim. So, yeah, we'll talk to him next week. Uh, we'll find out uh, all the things that we could find out today. Yeah, we'll we'll find out. again. I want. So, guys, we. Jim's breaking up a little bit. Uh, sounds like uh, his connection might be just a little bit flaky. I'll just say one more thing. I think he's ending the show here pretty soon, but my favorite part of that very first trailer that he played here tonight was the whole, uh, the guy who comes on and speaks like Darmok and Jalada Tanagra. I, you know, it's funny. I went back and I looked and I tried to find the name of that race and I could not find it. And all I can find on memory alpha is it says that they're called the children of Tama. So even their race name doesn't, did you see the clip for next week that they showed on the ready room? I did. I did. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, we're we're going to have a lot to tear into uh, from that, just from the artifacts that were in that room. I yeah. saw quite a few from episodes that we need to talk about. Absolutely. Talk about. <clears throat> to talk about. So that will be cool. So um, first of all, um, I want to apologize for everybody for not being able to be in Las Vegas. Uh, I really wanted to so bad. And I appreciate everything that all the fans have done um, to get us there. Unfortunately, I could not go. But I do want to say thank you to David for stepping up and helping Leslie get through it and uh, get all set up at the convention. So thank you so much, David. Um, I also want to say thank you to Charles, my right-hand man. Uh, None of this would have happened if it wasn't for Charles because uh, he he delivered our banner and our business cards and our fridge magnets and got everything all set up for Leslie. Um, Leslie has trouble walking, so they needed her a wheelchair, which the hotel couldn't get, and blah, blah, blah. It was was a giant headache. Uh, But Charles and David were able to get through it and uh, get Leslie down there and get her to the table. So um, I can't say thank you enough to you guys for doing that. Um, It's teamwork. You know, there is no I in team. So thank you so much to you guys for doing that. I also want to say thank you to Charles for uh, reporting live from the convention for us and giving us a behind-the-scenes look, behind-the-table look at what goes on at a convention like this because – I think a lot of fans only see conventions from in front of the table and not behind the table. And um, I know uh, from conventions and from being a dealer that the view, the vision of the convention from my side behind the table is very, very different from your vision of the convention from in front of the table. So I think it's great to hear from Charles and, you know, give you guys, give you guys, um, you know, a feel for what it's like to be behind the table because it's a lot different when you're behind the table because the convention comes to you. Uh, you don't go to the convention. All the fans mill around and come to you. 
which is great. You get to talk to all kinds of people, see all kinds of costumes, and it's, it's great to be behind the table. So thank you so, so much to Charles for making that happen. And, of course, thank you to the Leslie Hoffman. She'll be back with me on Stunt Trek as soon as camp wraps up. We'll be back on Sunday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. with Stunt Treks with yours truly and the Leslie Hoffman. I also have to say thank you so, so much to Eric uh, for stepping in and, and towing the load for me uh, tonight when I've had to get my drinks and take my inhaler. Thank you so much, Eric. You bet. It takes a team, Jim, and I'm happy to be proud. Uh, I'm proud to be part of this one. And I think it worked out really, really well tonight. Um, but, you know, being a live show, we, you know, we got to do these things on the fly. and We never know what's going to happen, right? <laughs> got to be able to think on your feet. Yeah, we definitely do, and we definitely did. So that's pretty cool. And let's see. Um, yeah, next week we're going to be talking. Um, I don't know what we're going to be talking about next week. Uh, we'll, Star Trek. We'll, we'll definitely do some convention cleanup because uh, Charles will have some more info for us. So we'll have that. We'll have another episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. Yeah, Lower Decks. Uh, what's the name of that episode for next week? Tanagra with his wise. Yeah, I think it's Tanagra with his arms spread wide or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, I, I have it. I have it programmed on our Facebook page, which is not open in front of me, but it's something like that. Tanagra with his arms wide open or something along those lines. We'll be talking about that next week. That'll be Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 2. We'll also hear more from Charles about what it was like at Star Trek Las Vegas, hanging out behind the table with the Leslie Hoffman, and spending a weekend with Bobby Clark, the Gorn. I wish I could have been there. So that's going to be cool. Uh, September 9th, we're going to be talking with Rob Perlman, um, Star Trek author extraordinaire. Um, it was supposed to be on the 2nd, but that's um, later this weekend. So I reached out to his agent, and we changed it to the 9th. They so want to keep an eye out for that. Um, I want to wet your whistle a little bit, guys, because as we said during the show earlier, Star Trek Discovery uh, Season 4 is just about wrapped up with filming. And I want to play the season four trailer for you guys, and then we're going to come back and we're going to say. We are not in this alone. None of us are. We're all living in uncertainty. Even for a crew as familiar with it as this one. Stress taking its toll. But we are not in this alone. None of us are. Five light years across. That's the size of the gravitational anomaly. Where is it headed next? It could go anywhere. We may not have any kind of warning at all. Federation, non-Federation. This anomaly threatens us equally. Whatever it is, we'll figure it out together. Indeed, we are more than allies. Captain Burnham, make no mistake. You are in charge. She has faith in me. We are facing something we don't understand. Something that could tear us all apart. But there's only one way to confront the unknown. 
brothers now. What do you think, Eric? Are you psyched for season four? Oh, man, my blood is pumping and my heart is pounding right now. I'm super excited. It's good. I'm really looking forward to it. <clears throat> and uh, do we have do we have Charles back? Does Charles want to sign off? Can you see if he's around? I don't think Charles is with us anymore. I think Charles went and uh, is enjoying the convention now. So uh, thank you, Charles, Charles, for everything you did for us today. <laughs> we'll catch up with you next week. Yeah, we'll catch up with you next week, Charles. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. And everybody, I want to say, please go over to our Facebook page at uh, on Facebook.com, Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell it all out. Give us a like and tell us where you're from, and maybe you'll hear your voice, your name on a future fan shout out. And you can check out all of our podcasts at Blog Talk Radio backslash Trek Talking, and you can listen to all of our previous shows. I want to say. Thank you so much to you, Eric, for hanging out with us tonight. Would be possible without you. Thank you so much. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I'm glad that I was able to get through this show between my water and my inhaler. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys hanging out with us. And one last thing I have to say: hailing frequencies are closed. Stay safe and be good to each other. Good night, everybody. Thank y'all. Can we go already? Yes, fine. Engage. <laughs>